You're listening to Marketing Major at Josh and Mo, a podcast created for students by students who are curious about marketing. So uh, welcome back for another episode of Marketing Major. Mo and I have a really cool episode uh, today. We're sitting here at Sticks and Stones um, Agency in Edmonton. And we're looking at, you know, probably six racks full of awards. Uh, some pretty cool campaigns that both Matthew and Jordan have worked on. So can we just um, have you guys introduce yourselves? For sure. Uh, my name is uh, Matthew Grishuk. I'm the account director and principal at Sticks and Stones. Uh, my name is Jordan Bloom, and I'm kind of a senior creative here at Sticks and Stones. Do you want to let us know a little bit about your background, so where you guys started off and came For from? Sure. Uh, I have uh, no direct link to marketing advertising. I um, I have got a, a degree in political science with a minor in history from the University of Alberta, and and um, uh, I was actually working for Henry Singer at the time. Uh, and uh, one of my clients at Henry Singer uh, is actually Scott Winder, uh, the uh, owner and and founder of Sticks and Stones. And uh, I got to know him over the years, and. Um, he was uh, at that point starting up Sticks and Stones and, and asked me if I'd be willing to to make the switch. And I, I took the I took that opportunity. And Jordan, I think I saw on your LinkedIn, you started as an intern here. Yeah. Um, so I went to the U of A and I majored in English and drama because I wanted to take the job market by storm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think in about my third year, third going into four, maybe I had a little bit of a a little, little bit of a panic attack about what I was going to do when I got out. And so I started um, looking at advertising because it seemed like a, a really interesting place where you get to be professionally creative and work with talented people to do all sorts of different stuff. And I started reaching out to agencies and uh, managed to get a, a foothold in here. And so I did some intern stuff on a, a magazine project that they were doing right when they'd opened up and kind of rest is history. What was the first campaign that you guys ever did? Oh, man. Ooh. That would have been like a second before my time. Jeez, I don't even know what our first campaign was. <laughs> like that's so long yeah, ago. Yeah, that's a bit. We've, uh, yeah, we we've we've done a, a fair amount of work for kind of the city of Edmonton, but uh, also for kind of provincial and, and municipal governments. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing it's something along those lines, but I, I don't even know which would have been our first. But you, when we first started out, it was definitely uh, um, very different in terms of. The kind of work that we do now like back then it was a lot more focused on kind of graphic design print design um we were definitely brought in more i think um uh as added support on that kind of really narrow focus of creative whereas now i think we've built up a reputation and kind of a, a comfort level with our clients that they've allowed us to take more and more and more and, and have more and more freedom so and have the projects gotten probably bigger too over time like Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think when I, the first thing kind of real creative engagement I would have worked on would have been for a nonprofit. I'm going to names, but it was like a, a nonprofit here in town. Um, but, and that seemed like a huge project, you know, but in retrospect, it was, you know, compared to what yeah. we're doing now, it was, it was so much simpler. It was like, you know, kind of print collateral, you know, a couple little digital media pieces here and there, but it was, it was so much smaller. Whereas now we're doing stuff that has, you know, branded series baked into it and guerrilla installations and out of home stuff and events and online and traditional. And it's just the full kind of suite of stuff. So it's definitely uh, changed over the last eight years, both in scope of what we as an agency are working on and what 
you know, the kind of industry demands of a modern campaign. So as as the agency's grown, you guys have done bigger and more complex projects. How has like your approach and your process changed along with that? That's a really good question. The answer should probably be more. <laughs> uh, we're a small team. Um, I think especially for the scope of the campaigns that we try to deliver for people. Um, and what that means is that we typically don't hire people unless they can do two or three things at a professional level because, you know, why pay for one when you can get three? Um, so everyone everyone can do multiple things. And that extends, I think, beyond the creative department. It makes sense that, you know, you can imagine an illustrator could also potentially animate. Certainly not a given, but you can you can see that connection. But to have accounts people that are also really talented at strategy is a huge thing. So that everyone is doing kind of spinning multiple plates at the same time. So um, I'd say that the way it's changed, we've gotten bigger, but everyone's had to learn how to do more things. The more individual people you add, the more opportunities for a breakdown of communication. So if you can get people that can do a bunch of stuff who know how to work with each other, that's been the way I think we've grown. Yeah, and, and I think like going back to when we first started and, and you take a look at everyone that works here, um, I think almost without exception, everyone here, this is their first marketing advertising uh, job. Uh, none of them had kind of previous uh, large agency experience. And so we didn't have this prior experience of working in a, a really large, heavily kind of um, process-driven kind of creative process. And, and that has its strengths and its weaknesses. Um, I think, you know, process is really good to making sure that things run smoothly. And, and we've been adding more and more and more as we've grown. Um, but we've always tried to keep that kind of delicate balance on the creative side to not have a um, creative process that just, you know, automatically kind of puts you into this one uh, direction every single time. And so it, that, there's a constant kind of, ebb and flow in our yeah. office between process and you know creative so um yeah it it's a we're like i said we're we're a bit strange in that sense we don't yeah. we don't have that kind of prior experience to, to draw from which so, is a, a strength and a weakness yeah definitely it's an interesting industry too though because i think advertising and marketing is the one that you can come from such a different background and still have like natural skills and the ability to learn like you can just make your way and it's almost I've heard like a lot of times people come from such different backgrounds and it's not a weakness at all like to have I think just being naturally inquisitive and and wanting to learn like um it, it's especially on the creative side of things um it, it is really interesting to um you know see people work their eight hour days at their desk you know creating something um for a client and then you know clock out and then go and do eight hours at home of something that they're really passionate about too. And then you see it kind of feeds back into our client work. So just as a segue here, I guess there are a lot of awards on the wall here and there's some pretty cool campaigns. So I think for this episode, we really just wanted to focus on one campaign that you've done and just kind of work from start to finish on the thinking that went behind it and how you guys kind of came up with what you produce. So uh, what's what's a favorite campaign of yours that you guys have done recently? Uh, I think one of our um, kind of favorite campaigns and, and one that kind of represents a number of the uh, awards uh, on, on the shelf behind us is uh, the Renewable uh, video series from the city of Edmonton. And that whole kind of process of getting to to do that project 
really honestly goes back probably years. Um, so we we had been working with the city uh, for a number of years and had been kind of slowly pushing their boundaries creatively with every opportunity that we had. Uh, and we were constantly kind of testing the grounds and, and saying, hey, you know what, what if we did this? What if we did this? And we kind of slowly built up their their tolerance for, for trying something a little different. Uh, and then this project came around. Um, we were asked to submit on it and um, they had their thought about what it was going to look like and what they wanted it to be. And um, we saw where they wanted to go, but we thought that there was a different way of getting there. Uh, and that's where we ended up pitching something that was actually, um, I would say, you know, significantly different than what they were originally asking for. Originally, the the series was supposed to be like minute, minute and a half. It was going to be pretty standard stuff. And then it's we were- bit of stuff. Yeah. And we were like, you know what? And it's also going to be breathless. Like it's going to be a minute and a half of us like running through everything so quickly. It's not going to be all that impactful. So then we, um, we pitched this kind of mini documentary series and we said, well- what if we made it way more complicated on our end and uh, made this mini documentary series and, and went into more detail and approached it more artistically? And um, they said yes. And they wouldn't have said yes if we had been in that same room three years earlier. They just wouldn't have been ready creatively to be able to kind of take that much of a leap. But we had built up that relationship over a number of years to the point where, okay, we're ready to, to make this this pitch and they were ready to um to accept it cool so, so after after they accepted and you guys are ready to take on this complicated project what mm -hmm. was the next step we uh i think part of the reason we kind of pushed that one as far as we did was we we recognized that there was a there was like a narrative hook in it that would be interesting potentially to people outside of edmonton i think that's why we decided to run with that one you know a lot of stuff comes through the door the ones that you really kind of commit yourself to um and that was really just us going it would be interesting to see what people living in the heart of oil country think about a sustainable future. Like that, that tension there's, we were like, there's enough to build a show that I would watch about this. And we've been asked to create some content about this question. Why don't we make it the way a show we would want to watch would look it was kind of the thought process. Um, so once we'd sort of gotten on the same level with them, that this is kind of what we wanted to do is to create a piece of content that you would see on like a, an online media platform that you watch. Um, yeah. And they were all on board. It was kind of just like, okay, let's reverse engineer the kind of show that we want to watch. Um, I love stuff that's, I mean, we custom score everything because stock music has pros and cons or some great stuff, but it typically doesn't reflect the actual emotion of the story you're telling. So we, we knew we wanted it to be custom scored. We knew we wanted it to have this sort of dreamy cinematic kind of quality to it, not to look like something that was sort of quickly digitally produced. We wanted it to look, feel like a movie, custom scored. Uh, we have animation capacity in the house. We have two very, very talented animators. We knew we wanted to have kind of animated, explanation-y, science-y tech little segments inside of it um, to juxtapose against the like the really human story of these people with this big vision. And you've got the cool tech that they're talking about over here. Um, we just sort of started putting down all these pieces of what we wanted the show to look and feel like, That this really great collaborative process between Matthew, uh, video director, Colin, animator, Matthew Satchwell, and then Max Hemerong, and just sort of, and myself, putting all these different parts together. And then kind of just slowly producing little bits of content to start teasing out what that final tone was going to be to work through with the client to show them, okay, this is 5% this is of what we're thinking. Okay, this is 10% of what we're thinking, and just sort of uh, working through the process that way. Well, and, it, and it's, it, again, from a from the client's perspective, if we stand in their 
um, you know, we, we put ourselves in, in, in their position, they have to, you know, stand behind the product. They have to be able to get it approved. Um, and we were asking a lot from them as well. Not only did we pitch them something different than what they had originally asked, we were then saying, okay, we're going to be doing these interviews where we're not necessarily going to have a, a, a solid script and you have to be comfortable with what people are going to say. And sometimes it's going to maybe be um, a little different than what you would have said it. So, you know, we had to kind of work through that difficulty and, and figuring out, well, how do we reconcile those, those, yeah. those thoughts? There's a reason that award shows have a fear, like fearless client is a really common award. You see it regionally, see it in a lot of different levels and advertising awards. And there's like a very good reason for that is that you, you can have a great opportunity and you can have a really talented team and you can have all the energy and motivation and even budget. But if you don't have a client that's willing to let you take a risk, you don't get to do it full stop. You just don't. Um, so having a client that was willing to kind of let themselves be a little bit surprised when we'd bring something in that wasn't what they were expecting, but then would kind of acclimate to it and roll with that punch was huge for that project. And I would say pretty much everything we've done that's really cool and exciting and interesting, there's a really, really brave client somewhere in the city who is just like, yeah, let's let's see what this is. Let's see what this can be. And I think our our, our bravest clients were six, seven years ago when we were still a relative kind of unknown you know that that's a pretty big that's risk. Brave. <laughs> that's a big <laughs> yeah. risk to take. Yeah, and now I think we've built up enough of a reputation that even though we might be um, proposing or pitching something that is uh, unconventional or they they weren't thinking, um, there's a bit more confidence in, in our ability to do it because we have a, a longer history now to be able to kind of draw from and say, no, look, we can make we can do this, or I think we can do this. Can you talk about that, just like convincing a client on like a kind of crazy idea and how to actually approach that? I think a lot of times it comes down to the relationship that you have with whoever the primary contact is at, uh, with the client. And I think, you know, in many of these cases, we've built up that relationship over years. And that first project may not have been the craziest project, um, but it was important for us to kind of build that that familiarity and our, our, our uh, connection with that, that client. And then it's, what's the next project? And then we push the creative boundaries there and we will keep pushing. And I think um, the, the clients that we work with appreciate that, that we'll speak honestly. We'll tell them when we think that they, you know, should be a bit more fearless. Um, they'll respect the fact that we'll tell them that, you know, if they give us feedback that we might disagree with, that we think that they're making the product um, not as impactful. And we'll have those kind of awkward conversations. And the end result is we can then both stand behind the product. And then the next project is, you know, more likely to succeed. And so I think it, it's, a, it's about building it up over the, over the years. On average, people have very finely tuned bullshit detectors. They can tell when you go into a room and they're lying. And the most egregious point of noticing bullshit is fake enthusiasm you go into a place and you're like you got the big tooth you grin but it's not real and they can tell you're like you don't believe in this idea at all um that's the moment when a really good idea dies um so in my experience and this is equally true for selling an agency as it is like selling the agency to the client as it is selling a good idea to the client after you've already got them is like if you genuinely think that the thing that you're making is really cool that the world will be cooler if it exists, that the audiences that consume it will genuinely be excited by it. And you like not talk yourself into that, but like you genuinely believe that when you go in to sell it to them, 
you cannot fake that. And I think that people like for better word like that, people respond really, really positively to that. So if you've established that really strong relationship, you've established, you know, a good space of trust that we know how to create this kind of thing. And then you sort of top it with that layer of just like, and I'm genuinely really excited to come to work tomorrow and create this for you because it's going to be cool. You can't fake that. And I think that's the last little thing that tells them, like, I think I can trust these people to create something that even if I can't picture it, the enthusiasm is palpable and it's going to be really cool. So if there's an idea that you're not 100% sure if it's the idea, do you still pitch it? Or do you do you like, there's no point because I don't think I'm invested enough into this idea to totally. really make it happen. Um, I can't remember who said it. I think it's the Nintendo guy. He's like, if you, how does the quote go? It was like something delayed will eventually be good, but something rushed will suck forever. And that's super true. And it's like, if we don't have the idea yet, do you really need it Tuesday or can we take till next week to figure this thing out? I, I would always rather be honest with the client that like, we're not quite there yet. And I want you to know that when we walk through the door, the thing we're bringing, like we truly believe in it, like that is worth it every single time. Those three days, it's like you rush through those three days, it will suck forever. But if you take the time to get the idea right, it's going to be better forever. And, and even from the the pitching process, like when we were pitching an idea, it's it's not fully formed. Like, and it, you know, when, when we're working on something and um, like the, the creative process is a very kind of like vulnerable process. Um, you know, our, our creatives are kind of putting themselves out there. They're like, you know, they've created something that is a, a work of art. Uh, and and then they like sit back and wait for the revisions. And it's like, imagine imagine if Picasso was sitting there and, and someone was like, no, nah, I think that looks, I think that looks weird, man. It's like, well, yeah, that, that, that'd be a really tough thing for an artist. Um, I'm going to remember that you called us Picasso forever. It's <laughs> like straight to your guys' heads. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, and and so it's it's an interesting uh, kind of like process that kind of like give and take. But I think as you kind of establish yourself more in the industry, you start to kind of, one, become a little more accustomed to it. And then I think you also begrudgingly start to recognize that the client plays a very significant role and the amount of times where we've had a, a a change or feedback where there's been some griping internally of being like oh really we have to change that and then we'll make that change and then it's like oh shit yeah, sometimes, that made it better that sometimes made it, way it makes better. it better yeah yeah shit that's the worst part that is the worst it's like, <laughs> oh god well yeah you, you get real uppity and you're just like no i i know you're wrong <laughs> my vision <laughs> and then you do it and you're like that is objectively better yeah like they saw something that we didn't see and it, it makes sense too because you're dealing with people who they they're they work in, on the same thing every single day it's their job in the same way that this is our job so they have a perspective on it that is informed by so many more variables than we do. We go in, we have a few conversations, but they they live it every single day. So their feedback typically will be good. We have expertise in different things. And there is a certain space where it's like, you should trust us about this part of it, but there's a lot of it that we have to trust them. Uh, and you can see in the final outcome that what they bring to it is very materially impactful to the end product. Yeah, uh, Matthew brought up a good point about how like what creatives produce is technically like art. And uh, Jordan, the Renewable series is really beautifully produced. Like everything that went into it is really, really nice to watch. But can you just go in a bit more depth about like the amount of work and kind of the technology that goes into that too, like producing a video like that? 
it starts with a lot of pre-production. I mean, that's any kind of video and multimedia work. And that's often the part that people don't really reflect on and give a ton of credit to is that there's, you have to get bodies into rooms to create something like that. You have to get an interview subject together with videographers. You have to make sure the subject understands what they're doing and that it's the right story to be telling. So that's a huge part of the process that a lot of people work on. After that pre-production takes place, um, typically what we'll do is some combination of the video team, Jeff or Colin, my, and then typically myself as the interviewer, but not always. Matthew's done some of the interviews. Matthew's a great interviewer. Uh, we'll go out and we have that sort of first interaction with the subject. It's just like a typical documentary shoot. We've done a documentary project for the CBC and the process is almost indistinguishable. You show up with the camera, lights, microphones, you set everything up find your frame, set everything up. You, you have a conversation just like we are right now. Um, a big part of that is not pre-scripting anything. It's, it's giving people the space to really explore and talk about an idea and let them get excited and find it that way. Typically talk for 40 minutes and chop it down to a five minute episode. So we're really just taking the best stuff. We go have that interview, come back, um, dump the footage. Then typically an editor will do kind of a, a strung together version of the little sn snippets of content that constitutes like, you know, a good version of this story. It, it makes sense from beginning to end. Uh, both Colin and Jeff are really talented at that. Create kind of like a little bit of a blueprint document. Then I'll take that audio into our music and sound studio and I'll stitch it together with music and narration and the audio from the interviews that we did with them. And we end up with, we kind of call it the radio play version of the episode. So you can listen to the episode from beginning to end. It's obviously nowhere near complete we then send that audio back to the visual side where the footage gets resynced back up with it b-roll that we shot on that day or another day gets kind of cut in with the interview and typically during that planning process we'll figure out the moments that are might make a really cool animation try and use animation to explain the tech behind the sustainable idea the episode gets kicked over to an animator who comes up with that little vignette and then we kind of just stitch all those different constituent parts together till we get an edit that edit is, you know, a watchable version of the show. We then send that to the client and that's when that back and forth starts taking place. How many hours would go into like a five minute video? Cause it's kind of crazy that, you know, as, as someone watching the video, you just watch in five minutes and then that's kind of it. But like you guys 100%. spend so much time on that. Yeah. The, the, think about that a lot. Actually, the sort of disposability of the best piece of content you've watched on the internet was still just part of the like onslaught of content that was coming at your face that entire day. It's just like, yeah, you watch it in five minutes and it's done, but we've cumulatively put in dozens of hours to creating something like that. I, I don't have a hard number that we should, um, but it's dozens of hours, I would imagine. Would split like, between like weeks, people. months, like for, for, um, let's say for the first season, because you guys are still figuring everything sure. out. What was the overall timeline? Well, like? the first season was was not a profitable venture. You <laughs> <laughs> no. um, got uh, a Webby nom out of it, though. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and that's where it comes back on, like, again, to the, the business side of things. Um, producing something like that is a, a, a big task. Like, even just talking yeah. through what, what Jordan, I think you have an appreciation of, like, how many times it has to be handed off to someone else and how many things have to kind of fall into place. Mm -hmm. And um, it takes many, many hours. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, on the business side of things is about managing the profitability internally, clients kind of expectations, uh, as well as kind of future ambitions.
to jump back to the renewable campaign and I just wanted to talk about the aspect of the storytelling there because you guys tackle some fairly like complex issues and stuff and then how did you decide what to go for in that five mm-hmm. minutes? Uh, so Colin and I, who's, who shot the majority of them, uh, we typically have this conversation as we're leaving. So we go in and I just have like a shotgun approach to interviewing. We talk about everything. Anything that that person finds interesting, we're going to chat about it and we're going to get it on tape. And then it's typically as we're driving away that we have this conversation about, you know, that moment when they started talking about this one thing, that's the glimmer. Like that's the, that's the cool thing. That's what people will want to see. And you start from that, that kind of one moment, you start working your way back. Obviously the show has um, a conceptual mandate, I guess you could call it. Like it, it is about sustainability. It always kind of has to come back to that. But within that, typically people talk about so many different things. Finding that one, you know, great part, build everything else around that. You can ramp up to it and then kind of decay afterwards. But you need to have that thing that's just uh, that's just genuinely really cool. You can't fake that. Do you um, guys have a favorite episode of like the renewable series? Like a certain one that you thought was just like perfect? Um, Two of my favorites would be actually the very first one and then the most recent one. The very first one um, it was just very simple. It was kind of the like, I think he was sort of the godfather of solar in Alberta. Like he was doing it decades ago. Uh, I would even go as far as saying in Canada. Yeah, that's true actually. Oh, I watched that one this morning actually. Yeah. The guy that was like Gordon the 12th Howell. person in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Gordon, Gordon Howell. Howell. Yeah. Uh, it was the first one we ever did. It was us figuring out the structure, a structure that really hasn't changed up until this point. Um, but he was great. It was, it was fun to get to do that one and it turned out really well. And it's like a nice thesis statement. And then the most recently launched episode was about, uh, youth protests and sort of over the summer here in Edmonton, where we had tens of thousands of people kind of coming out on the ledge and Greta Thunberg was there. And, um, that episode was a lot of fun to make because it was talking about people coming out from a very different perspective. It wasn't, you know, someone who had invested a bunch of time and money and energy into a piece of technology or an idea, which is always cool to hear it was people who were getting into it for a very different set of motivations um and then just the story ended up being quite inspiring and very very cool so i think it's very first and very recent episodes would probably be my two favorite i was thinking we could either talk about like how you guys measured the impact of like the renewable series and what it meant to you guys personally and then how do you actually like go to the client and say it was successful kind of thing for sure yeah so with renewable beyond the the creative deliverable so beyond just producing it we we were you know quite involved on the um on the strategy side and how we were actually going to promote it and so um the video wasn't just posted online and kind of uh, as i refer to it in our office kind of field of dreams uh, I, we didn't just build it and then they came. Like we had to get people to go visit it. So we had a um, a paid uh, media campaign that helped kind of drive traffic. And so we got great quantifiable data to be able to see how people were reacting. And um, our online media spend was was built into different streams. And so we were able to kind of evaluate how the episodes were um, were received by the the random person off the street in Edmonton to people that had an interest in energy efficiency, sustainable development, um, environmental kind of topics. And then we also had other streams of our paid advertising that uh, also measured the impact on kind of other subsets. So if we were doing an episode on on Reza Nasri from Landmark Homes, um, we had an, another subset of our 
uh, online media spend that was just focused on people who psychographically were interested in home building or construction and whatnot. And we can then take a look at the the data and see, oh, wow, actually the home builders were interacting more with the video than what we would classify as the green keeners as our 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 supporters. That's really interesting. And that can inform how we were going to develop the next episode and how we're going to share it. And that kind of like um, revolving kind of stream of, of paid advertising was really informative for both us and for our client to be able to kind of evaluate how effective it it was. And so we have that quantifiable data, uh, which is, which is great. Um, and then from a creative standpoint, um, great kind of um, anecdotal evidence of people coming up to us and saying, Oh, I really enjoyed this episode or I really enjoyed that episode. Um, we have won a number of, of awards. It, it's certainly our kind of most awarded single project. Um, it also did give us an opportunity to, we submitted it in a couple other random spots. One was uh, to the Webbies, um, which is an international um, kind of level competition where we were shortlisted. And it turned out that we were um, we were up against... Uh, Will Ferrell beat us. Yeah, Will Ferrell beat us. Oh, I'm still angry about uh, it. <laughs> Funny or Die beat our series. Uh, there, was, there was that uh, uh, Snoop Dogg. That's fair. To, when you say it out loud, I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nos, like it, was, it was just insane. Yeah, it was like Snoop when we Dogg, were, Nos, when we were Martha Stewart, and us. Yeah, we, we pulled it up and we're, wow. like, we're like, oh my God, how, yeah, how the hell was, did we end up here? We are literally shortlisted with with these people ended up losing that's an achievement in itself though it, it is yeah, that felt pretty good yeah it felt pretty and, good and that that was interesting and then the other thing is we also submitted it to the banff uh, world media festival which is not an advertising award it is a film and television um uh, uh kind of competition and it's it's been around for i think over 30 years now it's uh, it's held at the banff springs it's quite swanky and when we we again just kind of you know, Babe Ruthed it and like pointed to the <laughs> to the fences. We're like, okay, here we go. And, and then we were shortlisted again uh, for a mini documentary series for a product that we were building as a marketing advertising piece for the city of Edmonton, which was phenomenal. And so we were invited down. We all went down and got to. Uh, it was it was incredible. Like uh, NBC Universal was the uh, was the title sponsor. Wow. There was um, the director for. Um, uh, uh, it was like Game of Thrones and yeah. HBO was there and um, YouTube was was represented there. Who else? I met Will from Will and Grace. You did? No way. <laughs> yeah. Briefly. Wow. Yeah. And, and it was like a <laughs> totally different world for us. Um, and to see, a, like I said, a project that was designed as a marketing advertising piece being recognized as a content piece was really interesting. And I think it was an... Um, a great way for the client to kind of be reaffirmed of, okay, we we created something that was entertainment, but that also kind of moved um, the, you know, moved the ball forward in terms of communicating this message to a wider audience. And it was, it kind of flipped the switch. It doesn't always have to be, here's your 30 second ad. And we're just going to shout at people what they, what we want them to do. Let's have a conversation and let's maybe look at a different approach. And so I know that the, City of Edmonton and our client really, um, it, it helped them feel more comfortable about the fact that we took a very different approach to it. I mean, for our listeners, if if they're not convinced to check out this piece yet, they've, they've seen how much recognition it's gotten and like also 
understanding how much work it went behind it um yeah definitely go check it out sounds cool and uh yeah thanks to both of you for taking your time and and chatting with us today letting us know what goes on behind the scenes our pleasure